Well, we are going to be in the Gospel of Mark, and so if you get your Bible and be finding the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, we'll be addressing that in just a moment. Good to see you today. Good to have guests with us uh, today, worshiping with us. What a great God we serve, and we just enjoy singing to Him and about Him and honoring Him, and uh, my heart's been encouraged already today. We're in Mark chapter 14, and we'll just read... Uh, really the last uh, six or seven verses of that passage. If you're able to stand, would invite you to stand with us for the reading of God's Word today. We've been going through, for the benefit of our guests, through the Gospel of Mark for many months now, and uh, we find ourselves now uh, almost to Calvary. Today we're going to look at Peter's denial that he's well known for. We finished up last week in verse 65 where it says after this um, interrogation that Jesus had with the high priest, it says, and some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, say unto Jesus with his blindfolded, his head covered, they're beating him in the face they said, prophesy, in other words, tell us who's hitting you. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Then verse 66 says, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. So while this beating is taking place there in the house, the home, the palace of the high priest, Caiaphas, uh, while this is going on, Peter is in this, engaged in this conversation with, first of all, with one of the maids of the high priest. Verse 67 says, And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. It wasn't a question. Um, she was saying that she was aware of that. You were with Jesus, verse 68 says, but he, talking about Peter, denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, not talking to Jesus, but to talking to the people that were there, this is one of them. And he, Peter, denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. We're going to look at this together today and hopefully learn from Peter's mistakes. It's horrible to make mistakes, but we make mistakes. Sometimes we can learn from our mistakes. I like it when I can learn from other people's mistakes as well. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you'd bless today as we study your word. Lord, would you help us to be attentive to you, 
to the truth before us, to the Spirit of God's prompting in our own heart. Do what we could never do today. Speak to our hearts. Draw us closer to yourself. Help us to be better because of our being here today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to look at Peter in quite a detail today, but I just want to begin by saying every one of us, I'm sure, I know I can say this, every one of us probably have had times we felt like a complete failure. And that's where we find Peter today. And while we can sometimes try to put our failures behind us and even hope that maybe we could forget about them, Peter's denial is always public. We're still talking about it today. Uh, I was reminded this, uh, this morning of a, a statue uh, uh, my wife and I saw when we were in Israel. And we have a picture of that, I think. It's a, it's a picture that shows, depicts what we're talking about today. You see the rooster up on that pillar the Roman soldier to the left of the pillar behind it, and Peter sitting in the front, and he's speaking to the maid there beside him. And I don't know if you can read the words on the bottom of that stand that holds that pillar. Uh, it's in Hebrew, but what it says is, Woman, I know him not. So everybody that sees that's reminded of Peter's failure. And uh, we're going to look at that failure today. Thank you, guys. This testing that came, and it was a test, it was a trial. This testing that came to Peter came in three steps. In verse 67, it says that there was one of the maids of the high priest and um, who was there. Um, earlier in this chapter, in verse 54, if you would glance across the page, probably for most of us there, Mark wrote about where Peter was during this time. It says, and Peter followed him afar off. Followed Jesus afar off, even unto the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. That's exactly where we find Peter here in verse 66, warming himself. Verse 67, it says, When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and asserted and said, Thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. You were with him. She knew it. Somehow she knew it. She, she was aware of it. And the first time Peter denied, verse 68, but he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. To paraphrase that, Peter said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I was never with him, and I don't even know who you're talking about. Imagine that. Just let that sink in for a moment. Peter, who had spent three and a half years with Jesus, who had just left the garden where Jesus was praying and sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. And all the disciples forsook him, and now Peter is saying, I don't even know him. He denied that he knew him. He's lying. I mean, he's out and out lying to this maid. Verse 68 says, And he went out into the porch... And the cock, the rooster, the cock crew. So he leaves the scene. And we can only, you know, we can only imagine what he must have been thinking. When I'm reading the Bible, I try to think about what the Bible is trying to teach us and help us to understand. And I'm wondering what he must have been thinking. I'm sure he was already kicking himself. 
as he went outside on the porch. But the Bible says in verse 69, this is the second, the second part of the test, a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, there are people standing around, and she said, this is one of them. This is, this is, they, they were all talking about Jesus. Jesus was just getting beaten in another place, and they brought him there in the middle of the night. All the religious leaders are assembled, plotting to kill him. So it's, all, it's on everybody's mind. Everybody's talking about it. And so this other maid says, Here, this is one of them. This is one of his followers. Verse 70 says, and he denied it again. He denied it again. Second time. Then the third the third time in verse 70, it says, And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. Apparently, people from the northern regions of Israel and the region of Galilee, they're south in Judea at this time in Jerusalem. They must have had some kind of a distinctive accent it doesn't happen as often now but occasionally I'll just be at a restaurant or whatever checking out talking to somebody and they say where are you from and it sounds because it sounds like I'm from New York <laughs> not really but they recognized his voice it but his his speech was betraying him Peter would have been better off if he just kept his mouth shut but he's talking and they say, you're a Galilean. We know you're a Galilean. Your speech agreeeth thereto. In verse 71, with more intensity now, he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. I don't know this man. The word there, curse and swear doesn't, we, we think about curse words or swear words, we think about profanity, and it might include, it might have included profanity. But the word swear in the Bible used means like an oath. A curse is like an oath. Both, both these words, in other words, he's like he's saying, I, I swear to you. He's not just saying, he said, I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I swear to you. I'd swear to you on a stack of Bibles in so many words. I don't even know the man. Now the Bible tells us here that this was, in verse 70, a little after. There's two details about this that are found in other Gospels. I love looking at the other Gospels and comparing all the details found in them. But one of them is from John's Gospel. And John says this, that this, this person, this man here in verse 70, this man was kin, kinsman, to the man that Peter had cut his ear off. That's an interesting detail, isn't it? This man knew firsthand that it was Peter and that Peter had tried to cut off this, um, the servant of the high priest. And so the evidence against Peter is mounting. He's denying it, he's denying it, but this evidence is mounting. He's from Galilee, his speech sounds like it. Someone who had a firsthand account of seeing him in the garden with the sword says that it was him and um, now he's cursing and swearing. I don't know who you're talking about. 
Imagine Peter with such a reaction. I mean, this, this is one of those places in the Bible that if we weren't time conscious, we could just stop and pause and think about it. Think about what's going through his mind. Think about what he must have been considering. He said, I don't even know this man. Verse 72 says that he... Um, The second time, for the second time, the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him. He remembers those words. Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. What a dark moment for Peter. What a sad place. And now the remorse is starting to catch up with him. It says in verse 72, when he thought thereon, he wept. He called to mind what Jesus said to him. Just as a reminder, let's go back up to verse 27 of Mark chapter 14. These, this, we covered this weeks ago, but this is, what, these, this is the account of Mark of what Jesus said to the disciples. Mark chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Again, Peter could have just took Jesus' words as being truth, and, and, but no, he, he spoke up. Verse 29, but Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet not will I, yet will I not, will not I, excuse me. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, this is what Jesus said to him, this day, even in this night, before the cock crowed twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And in typical form, Peter said, verse 31, but he spake the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise, also said they all. That's what Peter's remembering in verse 72. says when he thought their own. When he thought about what Jesus had said, when he thought about it, he, he wept. Luke gives us an interesting, another interesting bit of information about this. Luke tells us that when the cock crowed the second time, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Apparently he caught his eye. Just as Peter had denied him the third time, just as the rooster crowed the second time, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And when Peter thought about this, he wept. When he realized what he had done, he was broken. Wept is good enough, but Matthew says he wept bitterly, the gospel of Matthew. He went out and wept bitterly. This wasn't a shallow, emotionless moment where he said, you know, like a kid would, and you say, what do you say? I saw he, you know. It was much more than that. Peter was overcome with shame. We, we had our uh, Hope Bible study this past Friday evening, the recovery program the church sponsors, and in that conver conversation Friday night, we talked about confessing sin. It's a good question to think about. Because we, here we have Peter acknowledging how guilty he was. 
I'm reminded of a passage in Proverbs 28 that says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Shall not. That's an emphatic statement, isn't it? He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Nobody ever got mercy by covering up their sin, by excusing their sin, by blaming someone else for their sin, by justifying their sin. There's no mercy unless there's genuine confession, true confession. Pride does not want us to own up to our failures, right? Peter's pride would not allow him to acknowledge the fact, to consider the fact that he was about to deny the Lord. He said, I'll never do that. But now his pride has been replaced with shame and regret and sorrow. By the, so here's a, back to the question the other night about confession. This is, this is a heart, this is a great example, a prime example of heartfelt confession. Weeping bitterly. Acknowledging how wrong he was. Acknowledging his failure. Owning up to his failure. Not, not trying to blame it or dodge it, but owning up to it. So here we have this dark moment that Peter is famous for. So what can we learn? What can we learn from this? I want to spend our remaining time today talking about what can we Benefit. How can we benefit from Peter's failures? And I want to give you several things that I think pertain to this. The first one is this. Peter did not take his warnings seriously. He totally rejected. He totally rejected the counsel, the caution that Jesus gave him. And that wasn't the only one. We read the one a moment ago about how Jesus said, you're going to do this. And he said, I'll never do that. But there was another warning. Look in verse 37. This is when they're in the garden. This is when Jesus is agonizing in prayer. Verse 37, it says, and he cometh and findeth them sleeping. The disciples were sleeping. When Jesus said, watch and pray, they're sleeping. But notice he didn't speak to all of them. It says in verse 37, he saith to Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Are you asleep at this moment? Couldest thou not, couldest not thou watch one hour? And then he said this, here's a second caution Jesus gave him. To him personally, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. He said, if you rely on the flesh, Peter, you're going to fall. The spirit's able, but your flesh is weak. So he gets these two specific cautions to Peter, and Peter ignored them. So let's think about ourselves today. How can we avoid some of these agonizing failures that we're capable of? The first one is we have, we have to take our warnings seriously. Peter saw himself as being incapable of such a failure. I've said this so many times from this pulpit over the years, and I firmly believe it. I've always believed it. I still believe it. Any one of us are capable of any sin in the energy of our own flesh. 
You sit here and say, I'd never do that. You better be careful about that. God repeatedly, not just once, not just twice, any person who's an honest reader and and student of the word of God would have to say God repeatedly warns us about our own weaknesses. You say, well, he, didn't, he never warns me personally like he did Peter. If it's in the Bible, it's to you personally. We ought to take it personal. It's foolish for us to dismiss God's warnings about our weaknesses. It's foolish for us to not take seriously what God says to us and what God says about us. Why would, why would Paul say such a thing? In Romans chapter 7 is this. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Because there is no good thing in our flesh. Why did Paul write the Corinthian church and say this? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. For us to judge another person and say, I can't believe you did that. I'd never do that. I'm telling you, we better be careful. God's warnings are true. We've been warned by the word of God. We've been warned by the word of God. So I'm just saying one of the ways that Peter blew it was he didn't take his warning seriously. We are warned as Christians by the promptings of the spirit of God. When we as believers consider some temptation, the Spirit of God is in us to let us know that's not the best way. That's not what you ought to do. We need to take those warnings seriously. You know what makes you think you're incapable of falling? It's your flesh and deception. We're warned by preaching and teaching. You're sitting here today with someone taking the Bible and saying you better be careful. You better not trust in your flesh. You better understand that you're capable of horrendous acts. We're often warned by the reproofs of people who love us, parents, spiritual leaders. We're also warned by the examples of people we've seen. We've li- I've lived long enough to see a lot of people who've sat where you sit, who were serious about the things of God, who no longer really have an interest in the things of God. We ought to be warned that it could happen to us. So the first thing we can learn from Peter's failures is he didn't take his warning seriously. Let's, let's sit here today and internalize that and say, I need to be really careful, and I need to trust the Lord and not myself. Another thing that is mentioned in this narrative about Peter, and it's mentioned in the other Gospels in verse 54, it says this, and I want to just spend a moment on that. It says, Peter followed him afar off. Peter was following Jesus He had been in the garden and then he had slept in the garden and then he left with Jesus and Jesus warned them, I'm just going to give you a heads up, every one of you are going to forsake me, which will be a fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. The shepherd was smitten and the sheep were scattered and Peter witnessed all those things and so after they scattered, he came back to the Caiaphas' house, the high priest's house, to see what was taking place. But the Bible's very clear about this. He was 
intentionally keeping his distance. He followed him from a distance. He followed him afar off. In other words, Peter was near, but he wasn't close as he should have been. That's what I, I take from the scripture. He was in the vicinity, but he was not in a good place. He was not in a good place spiritually. And imagine this intentionally distancing himself from Jesus. I would like to think if Jesus was in the room, I'd want to be up close. I don't think I'd be scrambling for the back row if Jesus was in the room. You know what I'm saying? I'd want to be as close to him as I could be. But Peter wasn't there. Peter wasn't in that place. He was distancing himself. And I think there's a spiritual principle and lesson there. The further we allow ourselves to drift from close fellowship with God and his will, the more dangerous a place we're in. The further I am from Jesus, the more susceptible I am, I believe. And I think I know it's true, and I think that's what this is teaching us. It reminds me of the necessity of just staying close to Jesus, spending time every day with him, fellowshipping with him, getting into his word, praying, not just fulfilling a duty, but spending time with him, closeness to him. We need to stay in close fellowship with God. We need to stay as much as is humanly possible in the center of God's will for our life. By the way, we need to stay in close fellowship with each other, with the saints, with the church. It's not always this way, and don't think that I'm saying it's always this way, but sometimes when we start distancing ourselves from the family of God, it's an indication that we may be distancing ourselves from God. Peter was warming his hands with the wrong crowd. So how can we learn from this? Number one, we need to stay as close to God as we can. Number two, we need to take his warning seriously. But a third thing that Peter did that I think is really um, important to note, Peter was allowing his sins to compound. It wasn't just like one mistake. By the time he gets to this third denial, he's already had several failures. He failed while sleeping in the garden. That was clearly a failure. He, he was rebuked by Jesus. He failed after that by cutting off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And Jesus fixed it. But he was wrong. He reacted the wrong way. He failed when they're coming into this place by distancing himself from Jesus. And then he had a first denial. He could have... He corrected himself there, but he didn't correct himself there. He didn't correct himself when he was sleeping. He didn't correct himself when he had the sword. He didn't correct himself when he was distanced from Jesus. He didn't correct himself after the first denial. He didn't correct himself after the second denial. And what we have is a pattern now, compounding. And you know what? It works the same way in our life. We let this slip, and then we let that slip. Before you know it, you've let that slip. And then before you know it, you're not taking that seriously. And that's just the way it works. And all the while, we can say, well, it'll never happen to me. I, once again, I'd be cautious about that. His sins are compounding. That's the way it works. I'm referring back to our Friday night Bible study again. We looked at this verse in Romans 6. I just want to read it to you, a partial verse. But please listen to these words. Paul wrote there and he says, you have yielded 
your members to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. In other words, uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity. One sin followed by another sin. It's followed by one sin leads to another sin, which leads to another sin. By the way, that's why we emphasize often when we sin, even the first time, we ought to take it seriously and confess it and forsake it and not say, well, it's not that big a deal. You know what? That attitude, it's not that big a deal means the next one will be easier. And the next one may be easier. He allowed his sins to compound. There's one last thing about Peter's fall that I want us to learn from. And that's this. We can learn from the way he repented. We can learn from the way he made it right. And I think you would know this without me saying it, but I want to say it to make sure you know it. We should not be too hard on Peter. Because who among us has never fallen? Who among us has never been found guilty of not standing up for the Lord when we should have? I mean, how many times have we failed to declare his truth? How many times have we thought of ourselves more highly than we ought to? Like Peter, I, everybody else may fall, but I'll never fall. You see, we can have those same characteristics in our own life. How many times have we been sleeping when we should have been praying? So what I see in Peter, I do see these failures, but I see something else. He demonstrated what true sorrow for sin looks like. He wept bitterly. He was crushed. He was crushed by his failures. When he thought on it, that's what the verse 72 says, and when he thought on these things as he began to think about it is the is the magnitude and I'll tell you that's a that's just such a simple statement but such an important thing we ought to think seriously about our sin we heard in Sunday school this morning our sins are greater than sometimes we actually realize when Peter finally got his mind where it should have been and he's looking honestly objectively, transparently at where he was and what he had done. It just crushed him. It broke him. When he saw Jesus looking at him, as Luke says, when he saw Jesus' eyes, you know, I think a, when we fall, a key to our recovery is having the right perspective about our fall. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't think I am. But I think if we're not careful, even as Christians, because we know we've been forgiven, we know we've been redeemed, we know we, we sort of dismiss our acts of disobedience like it's not that big of a deal. And in our carnal mind, it may not be a big deal, but in the eyes of the holiness of God, any sin is a big deal. When Peter looked at what he had done, he didn't offer any excuses. He didn't blame it on anybody else. 
He didn't say the devil made me do it. He didn't say COVID made me do it. He took ownership of his poor decisions. We can learn from Peter. We can learn from the mistakes he made that led to his fall, but we can also learn from the way he finally got his bearings. And so, none of us want to fall, right? John the Beloved said in chapter 2 of his first epistle, I say these things unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to sin. But I want to tell you, there's something worse than falling. And this is it. And that's falling and not getting up. Proverbs says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. I look at Peter, I see a man who made a lot of mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes even in this few verses, this neighborhood of these few verses. But he sincerely repented. Please hear me today. And he wasn't just restored to fellowship with God. He was restored to a place of service with God. He became a strong and faithful leader of these disciples. The first pastor after Jesus of that church, I believe. Do you think it was a surprise to Jesus that Peter failed? And we all know the answer to that. No, it wasn't a surprise. He warned him. He said, it's going to happen. He's not surprised when you fall either. He's not, he didn't want us to fall, but he knew, he knew what we were going to do even before we did it. But what Peter had to do and what Peter did and what we need to do, he had to face the Lord and he had to let the Lord work in his heart. I'm not going to turn to it, but just to kind of give you a few details of something that's only found in the Gospel of John. And it was after this, it was after Jesus went to the cross, and it was after Jesus raised from the dead. It was during that time after Jesus raised from the dead and before he ascended back to the Father that he met with the disciples. And he had a private meeting with Peter. In John chapter 21, he asked Peter three times, Simon, do you love me? Every time we know Jesus asked him that, Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And to me, every part of that is so powerful. Jesus asking him, do you love me? And Simon affirming repeatedly, yes, I know you love you. But then what Jesus said, then feed my sheep. There's no greater honor than being asked by Jesus to help people, to serve him, to feed the sheep. What an honor to be able to feed the flock of God. He went on, of course, in that passage in John 21 and told Peter basically the way that he would glorify God in his death. And then he finished the conversation with Peter with two words in John 21, follow me. Now let me just say to you today, there's so much to me wrapped up in that. Number one, he's giving this assignment to someone who had so miserably failed. It's probably true, we can't say for sure, that the reason Jesus asked him three times, do you love me, is because three times he denied him. 
And he gave them the opportunity to affirm his love for the Lord. But here's another thing, and this is so important to me. He would not have, he would not have been restored to his place of ministry if he hadn't dealt with his sin in the right way. You have to deal with your sin in the right way. You have, to true, you have to be honest about it and say, Lord, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I should, have, I should not have ignored your warnings. I shouldn't have let one thing lead to another thing which led to another thing which led to me in a, such a bad place. We have to own up to it and confess it. But Peter's the example. You can be separated from fellowship but be restored to fellowship with him, be restored to fellowship with the brethren, and be restored to fellowship with ministry. What a great story. If you were to ask Peter, I'm sure, and you'll get a chance one of these days if you remember this and think about it. I think I'll avoid it. But you could ask Peter about this. And I'm sure he'd say this. I wish I never would have denied him. I wish I never would have ignored his warnings. But all I can say is I'm just glad for his mercy that restored me back to a place of service and fellowship. So maybe you have fallen in some way. God doesn't want us to fall, but I can tell you this, God does not want us to stay down. He wants to restore us. And Peter's an example of how that can happen. And maybe today, if you think about it, like Peter, you're following Jesus from a distance. You're not as close to him as you know you ought to be. You're not walking with him. Your fellowship, your spiritual walk is not what it should be. You know what Jesus, the Bible says, James says, draw nigh to God. Get close to God. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. And it could be people here today that without, without Christ in church, maybe from a Christian family, maybe not, but you don't know the Lord. And maybe you think, well, I've just done too much to be forgiven. You know, one of the things I love about this Bible is we see people who failed in every imaginable way and found forgiveness. So you may have fallen, you may have sinned, you may think I've just I've done too much, but I'm telling you God is a forgiving God and a merciful God He wants to restore people, just like we heard this morning, He wants to redeem people, He wants to restore people He wants to put us back in a better place so if you stand before Peter someday and you say I just want you to know that our preacher stood up and just really badmouthed you and you don't tell him the rest of the story, I'm going to call you on it. He, he did make mistakes. But he didn't just give us an example to learn from his failures. He gave us an example to learn from his recovery. And God was willing and able to forgive him. And he is us today. Aren't you glad for that? If you're today and you're not saved, you ought to come today. Let someone take a Bible and talk with you and pray with you and help you understand how you can be born again. God loves you. God's, 
This is a great example. God's not looking for a time to kick people when they're down. He's looking to build people up and help people up through his grace and mercy. And you ought to come today. I hope you will. And if you find yourself as a Christian, God's spoken to you in some way. Today ought to be the day we say, Lord, I, I want to be as close to you as I can be. And I want to stay there. And when you warn me, I want to take it seriously. And when I sin, I'm not going to let those sins compound. I'm going to deal with them immediately and experience your forgiveness. Let's stand together, please. Everyone's standing, our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed. In a very prayerful way, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, What is it the Lord would have you to take for your life personally out of this account of Peter? Do you know the Lord? Are you sure you're saved? If not today, why don't you come? If you're a believer, may God help us. May God help us today to benefit, to learn. From Peter's life. Our Father, as we pray, we're thankful today for your word. And Father, we've all read these passages numerous times and always want to take them seriously. But God, would you, would you work in our hearts today? I pray for your people, those in this room that are saved. God, I pray that what Peter experienced would be a warning for all of us not to let our sins compound, not to ignore the warnings you give us from your word and by the Spirit of God and by those who love us. God, help us. Help us not to, help us not follow you from a distance, but to draw close to you. And when we do fall, God, help us to confess our sins in a sincere way and receive your mercy and forgiveness.